Hi, and welcome to a very special uh, limited engagement of the Mantle's BF <laughs> Cinema BFFs. We constantly here at the BFF headquarter. Uh, uh, we are constantly forgetting the name of our own show. It's new to us, too, so, so go easy on it. Uh, I, of course, am always Chris Daly. With me, as always, Aaron French. Uh, and we have a very special guest with us tonight, uh, my wife. Uh, Sarah Lynn. Occasionally who, Sarah Lynn. Occasionally Sarah Lynn. Uh, but by night. Sarah Daly. Ooh, okay. That works. Uh, <laughs> to my family members, she's that witch. Uh, but no, Sarah writes for an actual publication, uh, The Tribune, our local figure here in town. Uh, she also writes a film blog, uh, called She Likes to Watch. And, uh, and uh, we can get to plugs later in the show, but uh, thank you, Sarah, for coming on the show. Uh, Sarah and I, originally, uh, a little bit of history, we had a uh, public access tape, uh, TV show called Film Forum, and there might be a show on YouTube, like one or two, this was the days before YouTube, uh, we put it on Victrola. Um, wax cylinder, please. Wax cylinder. Uh, well, thanks, thanks to Mr. Edison. <laughs> Uh, it, it was it was available in a few formats. And also in a dump in the middle of Arizona. Yes. Buried there, with those ET like so many of the best things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's it was just unearthed, and uh, we'll see if it sees the light of day again. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but that, yeah, that was a show that we're, uh, Sarah and I talked about uh, movies uh, from our very own apartment. Stop making crinkly noises. Um... I would just like to say that I'm glad to have you here because it officially makes me the Jason Mantukas to your Paul and June. Oh, I'm, I like I'm it. feeling pretty happy about that. Uh, Are you in, cuckoo in, bananas in for that? Uh... I would just like to tell you that this movie was bonkers. <laughs> we did. We're here to talk about newspapers, by <laughs> Bonkers, Chris. So does that make you the sex symbol of the show? <laughs> Mm. And me, the conscientious one who's an expert on everything? Well, I am going to make a joke about masturbating. Right Thanks now. for the warning. <laughs> right now. Right now, by saying that. I think a, a joke about uh, masturbation would be like, it's all about timing. <laughs> right, so. that, that's, that's good, because you just have to get louder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't <laughs> treat your comedic load so quickly. And on uh, operates and on for it. Okay, uh, so um, for those of you who don't know, welcome about that, aboard. We're, yeah, welcome aboard. Uh, we are a uh, cinema aficionado uh, podcast. Um, uh, I'm a filmmaker, uh, Aram. I'm a cartoonist and bookseller. And bookseller. Um, you sell the books. I I sell the books. I make the books. I Cook draw the books. in the book. Uh, Ooh, we'll talk about that after the show. Yeah. <laughs> Although we both have headphones on, we don't know who's listening right now. So, um, uh, and uh, we wanted to, uh, this is uh, usually we, we talk about a couple of films that have just come out, but uh, we wanted to dive into a uh, special topic that uh, a lot of people can relate to. Uh, we wanted to talk about a lot of like comic book. Um, we felt like we could devote a lot of time to this. Yeah, we, uh, Aram and I, uh, and Sarah, uh, we went and saw The Ant Man, uh, directed by Peyton Reed and starring. Um, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. As as said, Ant Man. Um, ooh, would you compare with the man from Uncle? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on really quickly. Oh, you want me to go down so, there? So in your version of Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, like, wears a flowered dress yeah, and, and makes cookies. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, uh, carry on. Okay. He's got a daughter. You'll allow it? Uh, no. But Missionary? carry on. <laughs> Missionary? Uh, anyways. Uh, but yeah, we all... I mean, well, Ant-Man we thought was was fine. It's serviceable. Uh, ooh, Sarah's coming out the heavy hits. She's she's no like, mm, or yay. She's, it was adequate. I said serviceable, and I mean serviceable. Okay. <laughs> she's the fun All, one already in the relationship. Already we're being held to higher standards. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, because uh, now the norm is, uh, you know, two or three uh, superhero movies a year, you know, it's it's pretty standard that, like, this is now just a simple genre that we talk about rather than, like, something, you know, special. Uh, so we wanted not to... Not just for the nerds anymore. Not just for the nerds. Although, <laughs> all those jocks but are also like... Also for the nerds. <laughs> all those jocks listening to uh, this nerdy podcast are like, click! No, thank you. You've, you've, you've said the N-word. <laughs> Too we, soon? We lost some listeners, uh, but we'll carry on. Okay. Uh, anyways. Um, up until saying that uh, nerd thing, I was like, "What word? What letter does this nerd begin with?" <laughs> That's how prepared we, need we to are. Work in your spelling skills. If only you had something mm. to consult. I went to school with uh, someone who uh, that was their last name, and it was K N. Mm. So hmm. could have been Knerd. Could have been. Uh anywho. So uh, so we wanted to talk about like some some stuff that came out of Comic Con. Uh, for one of the biggest things, uh, you we got the a more revealed trailer of uh, the court case of Batman v Superman. Very uh, exciting. Dawn of Justice. Uh, who this Dawn is, we have yet to uh, be revealed. But she's a lovely girl. Uh, most of you, ninety percent of of our readership out there uh, has has seen this trailer. Uh, maybe on the fence. Maybe you're like woohoo. Maybe you're like this again. Uh, I, for one, really did not care about uh, Man of Steel. I no. thought that was... It's it's very polished and it looks very nice, which uh, Zack Snyder does uh, very well. But I feel he can look at a comic book and so and go, that's what it should look like, but he doesn't know what the characters should act like. It was a garbage movie. It was a garbage I, movie. No, no, like no. Garbage okay. I feel like I have to defend one thing about that movie, which was an excellent Kevin Costner dad role. Mm. That man plays a great dad, and he that was one of his best dads in that movie. I'll one-up you by, uh, especially when you combine cornfields. Cornfields, uh, baseball. Baseball. Well, I uh, hear that he, he was actually doing some method acting. He was wearing a t-shirt that said best dad. Oh. World's best dad? Under, underneath. Yeah. Um, and we didn't see it on screen ever. But uh-huh. check, it, check his mug. That was, that was a decision that he made. So was Amy actor. Adams wearing like a, a press tag under her blouse I didn't in check. that film? Well, she's not a method Why actress. did you not check what everybody was wearing under their clothing on this movie? I, you know, I had Costner in my sights and yeah. to the detriment of everything else. Mm-hmm. I feel that the personification of Superman is accurate. Sorry, of Superman in... Man of Steel's accurate up to a point, and that point is when he and Zod destroy half of Metropolis. Oh, see, like, 
by that point, I was just completely going, I, I don't really care about but this. But I mean, honestly, like, that is a point at which I felt that they really betrayed the the idealism of Superman and even what Superman embodies, you know, this purity, this mor morality. Like, the Superman I know and love from the comic books would never submit to the willing destruction of a entire metropolis. And I'm glad they addressed that in the trailer for Man, uh, or sorry, for Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman. It feels like they had to. It feels like because they had to. Because it's such an incongruity. So, yeah. so one of my uh, biggest gripes, uh, and there are many right now, I'm, I'm still really not on board with this film. Uh, one of my biggest gripes uh, that I was, comes as quite a shocker is in the universe that they are creating for this, Metropolis and Gotham City are twin cities separated by a river. Right. They're the Minneapolis and St. Paul of American comic books. Whereas in most of the comic books growing up, it was always like Metropolis was like Chicago. Or, I mean, now you could kind of even say it's like New York. because New No, York it's definitely, it Metropolis is definitely Chicago because it's in close proximity to Smallville, Kansas. Well, so well, it's, it's, it's okay. like Cornfield. the no, Midwestern it's, it's town. But no, I would say, I would say the rules are reversed because now, like growing up, Chicago was kind of a clean, you know, white bread place and New York was pretty grim. Right. Nobody then, associated corruption with Chicago. But, well, that gave someone to fight. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But now, with Chicago being, like, one of the, like, murder capitals, uh, and, like, New York, like, this clean, like, gentrified, like, Manhattan Island, you could kind of say that now New York is, I would say, officially metropolis. And, I mean, even using, say... That argument could be made. Yeah. You mean Chicago, Manhattan is metropolis in this context, and then Gotham is, like, the boroughs. Well, I, no, I would say Gotham is Chicago. Hmm. And I mean, that's where they filmed it. Gotham is literally Chicago and also Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I could, to put it solve like, this whole thing by saying that Metropolis is San Francisco <laughs> and Gotham is Oakland. That used to work. Well, right, but, few, but, even, but years, Oakland is San Francisco and Oakland I mean, a few years back. Yeah. Uh, you, you live in Gotham City because the rent's, you know, decent. Uh, yeah. A lot of people Affordable. that used to live in Metropolis have since. Gone to, uh, to, to Gotham. Yeah, I will exactly. also put it out there in the first Superman film. Uh, Margot Kidder, who is just a reporter, lives like in this huge penthouse apartment in like Manhattan, in downtown Manhattan. Clearly, times have been tougher different, on different the newspaper times. girls. It was that's why the the nineteen seventies were a golden age for newspapers because a simple uh, met, uh, metropolitan reporter could afford a giant penthouse apartment. But I, but I will say, you know, if in if this version of Gotham and Metropolis is true, that means there's a Bushwick or a Red Hook or a Williamsburg mm. section of Gotham where all the hipsters have moved to make artisanal mayonnaise and they, ride fixies. Do you think with uh, such a large uh, hero population, they make like a like knitted capes? Yes, and, without a uh, doubt. There's got to be at least there a few is, superheroes. There are Etsy vendors capes. who have who specialize, who have cornered the superhero market in terms of like whimsical hats. Give me a food truck, uh, based on a superhero, based on a, uh, a property. Hmm. What do you got? Uh, Iron Man Chef. Terrible. Iron Chef Man. Mm, that's a TV show. It's not a food track. What would no, the food track make? No, it's food plus comics. Hulk smash grilled cheese. 
Oh, that's see? good. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. we're smashed foods. Like you've heard of smashed potatoes as opposed oh, to yeah. mashed potatoes. Oh, there you go. He would just just be it's it's delicious mm-hmm. quadrant time. Delicious. I don't know. I'm trying desperately <laughs> to think of a taco truck, but I can't. Chalupa Batman. Chalupa Batman. <laughs> Is that there a good truck? <laughs> Batman Wells tacos. <laughs> okay. Uh so, yeah, I, I think the Superman. general consensus is we're really not on board. That may be Superman. Uh, it looks no, 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 no. You no. look at I'm just using it for time. You look at the you look at these DC movies, and it looks like Batman v Superman looks so dark and so grim, and not at all fun. Yeah. I mean, I I'm saying this a, a lot of it because Ant Man is still so fresh in my mind. It was. For whatever else it was, it was goofy, it was silly, it was fun. They were trying to make a fun movie. Now I, I, I can't imagine watching that trailer thinking that that movie is going to be fun. So I, I will say this uh, in, in, in uh, putting kind of Marvel and DC. You know, Marvel is always known to have better heroes. And it's clear like with all their films that, that's come out, like that's who you're rooting for. DC does kind of have the better villains, like especially like the slew that just came with batman like um and maybe that's kind of like i that's definitely like one of my problems with ant-man is it didn't build up enough suspense like you know like if you have this character come up and then he's beatable by the end of the film why should i care more about what happens between these two people it's like any of the marvel movies really where the the villain is sort of detached and at a reserve kind of not that interesting yeah, well, I mean, in the it, in the Marvel universe, all we really have to go on is like Thanos is like the only villain that's. It's because he's has a fun. Well, and all the and all the semi interesting villains are sort of under control of uh, Sony Pictures. Yeah, yeah, like Spider Man. Right, right. And his flock. Exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, but so this then leads me to another film that DC is putting out. Uh, Suicide Squad, which a lot of people saw the trailer for, and it's so. Using... What did you think of the Juggalo Squad trailer? Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, the government put us together like some sort of Suicide Squad. They say it. I uh, title of the movie in the trailer. In the trailer. Trailer. In the trailer. I would have loved it even more if he said like, "Oh, we're some sort of celebrities. Give me my trailer." Like in the trailer. <laughs> Too meta. Just uh, meta in that. But I mean that's really going to the core of what DC has in its wheelhouse that it can do right is about you know like I mean the biggest draw for everybody is that Jared Leto's playing the Joker, mm-hmm. which well I'm the not... the biggest uh, reason not to see the movie is that Jared Leto is playing the Joker. <laughs> and how much does that hurt to say that? Because as a character, I, like I love the Joker. the Joker. I love the Joker. I, I like Harley Quinn. I yeah. presumably Bruce, like the other uh, people. Bruce Timm's Harley Quinn. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, so a lot the of classic yeah. her, and it, a lot it of my love. Bruce Timm who invented her. She does. She did not exist in the yeah, comics yeah, before yeah. that. A lot of my love character. for the DC universe comes out of the animated series, like even the Superman one. But like, I mean, that Batman one is fantastic. Yep. I think. Yep. Uh, and it, it, it's long been my opinion that uh, the two parts um, Two Face story. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I'll take it out. Mm. Uh, uh, two the two part two face story 
it's like one of the best stories about Two Face I've ever heard. And then when you have a film like uh, uh, The Dark Knight, and everybody's like raving about it because you know you have this great performance by Heath Ledger, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you're just gonna get a mediocre like third act with Two Face. Harry Neckhart is not poor. No, he's not poor, it's but not it's really just like a, it's a good performance. It's, it's, it's given so little to do. Yeah. Whereas if you look at that storyline, if you go back to that, it makes the character like you, you feel for him so much more. And at a certain point in Batman, uh, in the Dark Knight, I just kind of gave up I, on his character. I feel like we all got robbed by not being in a universe where we got to see Billy D. Williams mm. as Two Face. No kidding, because, because that, he does start what, out as Harvey yep, Dent. That's what was going to happen in the uh, uh, Tim Burton films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one side prefers malt liquor, the other does not. <laughs> now, Sarah, uh, you have uh, told me multiple times that Batman uh, Returns is one of your favorite Batman films. It is, Let's and I'm somewhat ashamed to say that now? because I realize no, because I, I just I realize it has its flaws, but it also I just find it so enjoyable. Partially, it's because it's take on Catwoman is so interesting and you have Michelle Pfeiffer Pfeiffer is can we actress name (laughs) like one of the number one hotties of the 90s I mean she is fine I would say 80s and 90s um but but she you know she has this cute will they won't they chemistry with Bruce Wayne slash Batman uh the the take on the penguin Oswald Cobblepot is so weird and icky and and fun. A lot of people didn't like it because it was uh, uh, Danny DeVito's penguin was so different from the penguin in the comics. It's true. Like the penguin in the comics is is this erudite gentleman who just is really interested. He's, he's in just a guy, yeah, just a, a, a guy in a yeah. top hat. But but where but Danny DeVito is, is a freak, this little gross thing. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a freak. Who who uh, basically associates with with circus folk and zoo animals because they're the only things he can relate because to. Because Paul Rubens threw him into the river. Right, it's all Paul Rubens' fault. But but I um I do want to go back to something you said earlier, yeah, which is you were disputing that DC has good heroes, and I'd say no, that no, no. the top three heroes no, in Marvel. the comic book. Marvel no, no, you them. said Marvel has good heroes and DC has good villains. Well, that's their good Marvel has I would say I would say that DC has the top 3 heroes in comic books, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yes, but like then they And just... Aquaman, the coolest superhero. <laughs> okay, but no, the thing the, is but then a lot of those characters, a lot of those characters which made them cool then it got washed away in the 1950s and like there's covers with them all playing baseball and like salute to america you I are loves, allowed to I do that if you defeat Hitler, Hitler. i loves me some wonder woman but yeah. superman is the number one hero like vanilla is the number one ice cream flavor yes because yeah. it, it appeals to everyone Ooh, i would say batman's uh, rocky road <laughs> Ooh. he's sith by chocolate batman <laughs> that's not one of the top three ice cream flavors <laughs> it is in my book <laughs> In your book, uh, oh, actually, Batman wouldn't want to be Death by Chocolate because he doesn't kill. Oh, you're absolutely Batman's like right. mangling by Bat- chocolate. <laughs> so, by the way, you left a melted Klondike bar in your book, and uh, that's just uh, it helps me find my place forever. 
Uh, here's the part where I got grossed out and bored. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the book as far as I'm concerned. The book is now called Ant's Home. <laughs> Going back to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think Marvel has done a pretty good job, and they've had really good people sort of spearhead everything, but they at, at the same time, like, you also get producers kind of mucking things up. I mean, that's the reason, like, why a lot of the 90s and early 2000s, like, um, Marvel movies are Terrible. garbage, because, like, well, uh, Avi, Avi Arid, like, if, if anybody out that's there... That's also has, before Mar Marvel had their own studio. Though. Yeah. Well, and then and they sort of, like, they got rid of a lot of the properties Which because was they a, didn't know what to do with them. Very mm. foolish decision. But if you look at, like, some of the worst ones out there, like Daredevil, if you watch the director's cut, it's not so bad. It's pretty, you know, it's got some patches. But uh, if any of you guys find it out there, there's a director's commentary, and it's um, the director sitting alongside Avi Arid, and all of Avi Arid's parts, favorite parts, are like this the goofy, right, like right. kid stuff, and all the stuff that's good is the director's. Stuff. Didn't Avi Arid come up with the playground fight? Isn't that one of his bits? In what? In Daredevil. In Daredevil. Uh, maybe yes. Cause that's awful. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. It's garbage. Okay, well, let's let's then take that as a, a a starting point and talk about what Marvel properties have become. Because I think if you look from the Daredevil feature film to the Daredevil Netflix series, that's a you good see yeah. sure. a sure. a vast improvement in in focus. In understanding the characters, in understanding their roles in the wider universe. Um, well, I, I think, um, I mean, needless to say, all this has come a really long way. And, but I mean, you can even go back to the 80s when you have like Burton's Batman, you have Donner's Superman, fantastic films. And then when like, uh, you know, maybe someone's on a board or the producers get involved and say like, oh, we want to go a different direction. Like what the Batman films turned out to be with Joel Schumacher, like the producers were, everybody was on board with like that for Batman and Robin until they started seeing the returns and they're like, Oh, uh, point pointing fingers. Uh, these movies, these Batman movies are really good. What if we took out all the good parts and gave it to Joel Schumacher? What about what? if we took off? What about if we took the guy out of the suit? We just shit in the suit and we put the hat back on. And then we pushed it out on screen. Here's a million dollars. Here's a million dollars. Well, but uh, here's the thing. Here's, here's 200 million dollars. Here's my theory as to why that happened. Because there is an element of camp in Richard Donner's Superman and Tim Burton's Batman. There's a little bit of camp, but there is you an get to like Schumacher. But so here's the thing. I think the producers saw that and went either... The, the producer saw, saw those movies and interpreted it two ways. The certain camp took the camp and said, that's the part that people like. That's what we have to emphasize. And hence Schumacher's uh, Batman uh, versions were born. The other half saw the gritty, Gotham, gothic look and feel of Tim Burton's Batman movies and said, that's what we have to emulate. And, and you can also, you know, this also comes around the same time as it's Frank Miller you know, creating a, a darker, grittier kind of comic book. And so you have two diversions. One goes totally fun and goofy, and the other goes totally dark and gritty. 
when you could easily say that the one happened because of the other, that somebody looked at, at Schumacher's Batman and said, okay, I don't want in any a virgin, of that shit yeah. in yeah. my movie. Yeah. Let's, let's double down on the grit. Well, the grit. And, that, and that's when you get uh, Punisher War Journal. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, uh, and I don't know. Nobody wins. Nobody yeah. wins. Um, but, uh, but I think along the way you started like getting amazing strides where like you saw films emerge that were just so far superior and the blockbuster and the uh, box office showed that and that kind of helped push to, to what we have today. Like, I, I think you look at like the first two Spider-Man films. I was, yeah, Spider-Man is a big, you look, sort of a touchstone. Uh, you look at uh, Iron Man. Um, you know that like up until that came out that was a property that they were gambling on people Iron people Man knew was Batman. not a guarantee people knew Superman even Spider-Man at the time was well okay maybe yeah uh, but then I, I think you also had like hits like Sin City you had hits like um, you know with, with kind of the minor stuff uh, 300 mm-hmm. uh, but you know based on that grittier that Frank Miller stuff that, that kind of punch punch in the gut Black right. and white. Right. Fascist. <laughs> no, I mean, Frank Miller's Frank Miller's interpretation of the world literally is fascist. Well, he grew up, like, in the 80s. Like, it's... I You can also kind of look grew at... Grew up. Like, he was, in the, like, a grown man in the right, 80s. Like, okay, explain. My point is, is that he has a really... Uh, grim, I mean, for want of a better word... Uh, view of the world and his interpretation of Batman is a fascist Batman is a Batman who believes that he should impose his will well, on the on the world to to bring about law and order Batman is already a vigilante already a vigilante working outside the law right but he, in his he's, mind he's the very, law doesn't go far enough right it's it's very easy to to take well let's, let's say a, a fascistic narrative and put it onto the Batman story yeah. Or a lot of superhero stories, really, because these are people who are working outside of the system, outside of the law, who have powers that who have powers and abilities that excel those of northern humans, mm-hmm. and who have taken it upon themselves to be the peacekeepers or the enforcers. Right, right. Um, it is kind of a fascist standpoint if you think about it. I mean, they could they could be seen as gods, or they could be seen as dictators, or they could be seen as benefactors. I think I think you could call it benevolent fascism. Yeah, it is it's benevolent fascism in the way that, you know, Britain is ruled by a benevolent monarchy. Only in the case of Batman, he doesn't appear for like teas or ju- silver jubilee ceremonies. Not yet, but we're working on it. Yeah. I, I want that aging Batman. On it. Where Batman like uh, uh like, invites people, you know, invites like old villains. Well, like, like wears, a, wears a fancy Chum. hat. And... See, and if this was if this was uh, the sixty-five-year-old retired Batman of um, uh, Batman of, uh, Returns, of, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh, this yeah. Is, this is this was what I went uh, based on. Like, uh, so I there's a YouTube video of um, uh, uh, Buckley, um, William F. Buckley, uh, talking with Woody Allen. And like you can clearly see that they're like uh, total foes, you know that they 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 clearly don't see eye to eye. But both come off as perfectly charming. Like Buckley's like patting a, a sure. pipe, and and it's full of a college crowd. I want that. I want like Batman to sit down with like the scarecrow, cows off, 
Like everybody just has like a normal conversation. Like they kind of joke around about things, you know. Oh, poison up people with Gotham. Ah. You know, I, I saw what you did at the football game, and and uh, see, it's you could funny. call him like a, you know, like uh, you could call him like a rich banker or like a rich son, and you know, spoiled brat and like all that good stuff. It, I would like to see the Batman and Superman in a movie where they're just roommates. Yeah, like Batman, like an Oscar and Felix Batman, type yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman is really fastidious. He's the clean one, obviously. I think Everything, they're both the clean one. No, are you kidding? Superman <laughs> is invincible. Oh. Meaning, he grew up literally without consequences. He grew up super. Like he grew up in a barn. <laughs> Batman doesn't have parents. He does his own laundry. Superman. His shit is everywhere. It's strewn across. Are you kidding? Oh, it's her- Alfred no. does Batman's laundry. Alfred does Batman's well, everything. Okay. Alfred would Alfred's- move into the apartment uh, with Alfred, them. Alfred would have to be there too. You're yeah, right. I, I see them as a pair of like but rich kids. Mr. Belvedere, but like coming uh, coming Superman from different is the backgrounds. Messy one. Superman is the like messy Batman's one. like the kid in the city. Grew up like uh, you know his dad's like uh, owns a hospital or like wants him to go into banking and stuff. He's like I don't want to. I don't want to bank, you know, or anything like that, and like. Uh, Superman's step stepdad is like telling him like, "Oh, you gotta you gotta raise the farm and you gotta take care of the farm." And I, I don't want to be a farmer. I want to be a reporter. They're both like, rebels in their own way. Yeah, yeah, but they're both rich kids. Obviously, yeah, snotty rich kids. So here's a question. Uh, you know, Jonathan Kent, did he, knowing that his son was an alien from another planet, and knowing that he presumably had this destination, or sorry, this destiny. To do great things. Destination. Uh, do you think when Clark said, I want to be a newspaper reporter, Pop, he was like, are you sure you don't want to aspire towards something greater <laughs> than that? Like a diplomat, I a, a police captain, a, you know, instead of like a possibly a lifestyles reporter for a midsize magazine. <laughs> what? What? Do we know what Clark Kent's beat was? I was going to say, yeah, what, I, what does he write? Disasters. Like, dis- he writes about disasters. He's always there. He's always writing about Superman. Okay. Yeah. Even though uh, Lois Lane always kind of writes about Superman, too. They, it, it is not Nothing a well-organized paper. <laughs> Again, this was the golden age of newspapers when you could they just They had more reporters than they knew what to do with. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Metropolis, do you have any like stories in here about like what's going on with Batman? Oh, that's uh, across the pond. <laughs> That's Gotham City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't, like, talk, we don't talk about we that. Don't, we what don't, was we Jimmy don't Olsen's beat as a photographer? Jimmy Olsen's beat was, gee whiz. Well, I imagine there was a lot of a lot of local news. Like yeah. A, a lot of farmer's markets. Who do you think the weatherman Who do you think the weatherman was at, like, the, the Daily Planet? And do you think, like, he kind of felt himself important? He's like, you know, I could do jobs about Superman, but, you know, got to make sure it's sunny. Prince Namor. That was the weatherman. That's the that's the tides. He does the tide report. He does the fishing report. Ah, <laughs> uh, I I once listened to BBC Radio, and I did not know this, but they do like the tides and like the docking like schedules, and it's like a half hour of just like, uh, this ship will be there at four thirty, and the ship will, and then the uh, Liverpool will be. There. I'm going to remind you, it's an island nation. <laughs> it is surrounded by coastline. Yes. Tides are important. Tides be important. You're right. Okay, I want to. Uh, okay, we we talked about uh, this garbage for long enough, but since uh, since this is a a podcast themed episode solely about comic book movies, 
uh, I invited you all to come up with the top five. Top uh, five comic top books. Top five comic books. The Mantles. Cinema BFFs. We'll have a top five. Do, 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 do. for this, yeah. yeah. I want you two to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want you two to start so I can copy slash rip you off. Okay. That's why you're uh, here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So starting at our number one. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, no. Starting at our number five. Number five. Nope. Number number five. What do you guys got? Uh, well, I just sort of wrote these down. On just spit them out, there. I don't. I I'm not good at uh, numbering things. We don't rank. Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two. Okay. Very good. That uh, is Why, on my uh, list, but uh, not in that position. <laughs> okay. It's. This is the one that I know that a lot of people who like Spider-Man, specifically the Spider-Man comics, didn't like this one because it strayed the farthest from the comics. There's a whole there's a whole B story where he loses powers and then gets them back by believing in himself. As you do. As yeah. It's kind of dumb. But but for you, like being bit by a radioactive spider either is kind of dumb. <laughs> well no, you either have that Spider-Man juju or you don't. It's the the whole premise was was goofy, but what I'm saying is that the the sheer joy of that movie made those details ir- irrelevant. Here is something that is based on a comic book. It's about a guy who gets bitten by a radioactive spider and swings around, saving his girlfriend from monsters. Mm-hmm. And Raimi, God love him, just took that and ran with it. Clearly, someone who loves the books, loves the stories, and made the best movie. Made, he made the movie that he wanted to see. Well, what I really like about Spider-Man 2 is it really shows how much of a normal human being Peter Parker is. Because he's, like, without a job a lot of times. We spend a lot of time with Peter Parker, right? Yeah, he's looking for work constantly, like, his girlfriend. He's in a uh, crappy apartment. He's not in a, in, a, in a Hollywood crappy apartment. He's in a he's genuinely a, he's crappy apartment. He's in apartments that, that I've seen, that I've been to. Yeah, and the only reason they have that apartment is... Uh, oh, I guess I was thinking of the first one, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Yeah. He's struggling all the time. But that is the reason why Spider-Man slash Peter Parker is, I think, such a, a popular character because he is genuinely one of us. He is relatable in a way that Superman and he's Batman could never be. He's yeah. Like he wouldn't be roommates. We are not, we are not aliens. We are, he can afford the rent. We are not, you know, most of us are not aliens. Most of us are not millionaire playboys with butlers. Most of us are not, uh, you know, costume vigilantes. Speak for yourself, sister. Right. It's <laughs> but, why but, I like but the Peter Spider-Man Parker, books. Yeah, That's your Peter number five. Really so, cool. what's your number five? Um, I would say that my number five, and we're going to five to one here. Uh-huh. My number five would be 300, because although it, again, it, going back to the fascist idea, it is a bit, it is a bit macho he-man, rah-rah, jingoist. Um, I think it's a perfect page-to-screen translation of that book. Mm-hmm. Everything you see on screen, you first saw on the page. And, and it's, just, it's just such a pure realization of that story and that that work of literature that I think it is, it is superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's a lot of nearly naked dudes in it, and that's never a bad thing. Yeah. And indeed. Sarah, Sarah's, uh, gets a lot of Dong uh, comic books. 
That is the magazine I subscribe to the most, yes. Like, her favorite villain is tentacle porn. I, I assume that's, I assume that's someone's name. Villain or a hero? Well, <laughs> oh, no, it's tentacle porn. <laughs> I'll save you. Uh, the hero... The, no, that's not the hero. No, the archenemy of, of tentacle porn is hentai. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Remember to give us five stars. Yeah. Negative five stars is more like it. Uh, all right. Uh, my number five, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I think Scott Pilgrim is amazing. Um, I am a huge fan of Edgar Wright. And whereas I feel the film kind of slows down and falters in the third act, uh, having read all the books and loving all the books, and like, it is, the translation is not perfect, but it's so good. It's It's every like, it's that right it's doing fandom right you know it's not necessarily like shoving it down your face and saying hey hey see we got the characters like costume with the right color and stuff like that it's it's interpreting it's interpreting and um making it a thing of its own the reason that movie falls apart in the final act though is because the author of the comic books had not finished writing them yeah that's that's very true (laughs) So I think that, that yeah, if, if it had been a completed series, then I think it would have been a more satisfactory ending. I also think it's a damn shame that it did not do uh, better in the theaters. And I feel that's because people were kind of getting an overload of, of Michael Sarah, who I feel is like perfect in it. He's uh, ideally I think cast. The, I think the cast yeah. all around is great. Well, and, it, and it didn't do terribly in theaters. No, it, it, it did really bad. Here's the thing. Really? It, yeah. it will. It made, and, and it, it made back its money. I'm not it, even I don't sure think if it, it did that. Yeah. Oh, wow. But 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 here's the thing. It, it went it, up against Expendables and Eat Pray Love. Right. And it came in third. The juggernaut of Eat Pray Love. Well, now I'm bummed I'm bummed out. But but here's the thing. I it was said at the time, and I do believe this is true, that it will become a midnight movie classic. People will be talking. No, we do, we do. People will be talking. we have them. You know, through Netflix, we have them through movie channels. We basically people will be they're talking still, about Scott Pilgrim films. much longer than they will be talking about you pray love the movie. But okay, I, I feel okay going really quick diverging uh, into the diverging trailer. Uh, no, uh, I feel because um, movies are so accessible now, you cannot have the same kind of cult status as you used to because it it's easier to obtain something so it's easier to watch it and then just pass it off if whereas like uh, things like rocky horror or big lebowski like that didn't do so well in theaters really made their money back on video and like had a huge uh resurgence like, uh, even um uh pitch perfect did not do do well in theaters made all its money back and then uh Pitt reed now directing ant-man so it's it's more difficult to make your money back there's no there's not as much opportunity to make your money back on video as there was. Yeah. But with the Netflix model being set up the way it is, movies don't stay on Netflix forever. So they, they do they get their finite resource. There, there's still, there's still, yeah, some sort of amount of rarity there. I would say ava- availability does not negate desirability. Yeah. In this context. I do feel it is one of those films that should be a cult classic. I don't know if it necessarily will be in today's. If I world. have anything to do with it, if I have my brothers, it will be speak, speak to the people. It will be a part of a college curriculum uh, curriculum twenty years from now. If you're listening to this, 
Go out and buy a copy of yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Please, and buy DVD the comics too. And yes. Because yes. they're excellent. Brian Lee O'Malley. Okay. Very, very good. Moving on. Number four. Sarah the Sun. I am, uh, for number four, I'm going to go with, uh, I have a feeling most of our list are exactly the same. I'm, I'm going to go with Ghost World. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Daniel. No, I see you had uh, Ghost Writer, and then you uh, no. erased it. <laughs> no, that's that's incorrect. I wrote Ghost Writer two. Oh, I, I see. Ghost Writer two is your number <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, Ghost Writer okay. two is my number one. Um, no, honestly, I do like Ghost Writer two. Oh, uh, okay. Ghost World. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we can discuss that later. Um, yeah, Ghost World is Daniel Clowes graphic novel. It is perfect encapsulation of what it is like to be a a slightly nerdy adolescent girl in a pop culture uh, obsessed world mm-hmm. and it also uh introduced me at least to scarlett johansson who initially i did was not that fond of and now i have great appreciation and respect for but no love for thor birch thor birch hasn't done that much that I've seen is the problem. Did you not go to see the Dungeons and Dragons movies? I did not. And was there more than one that she appeared in? I will go on the record as saying that I have a lot of love for Thor Birch. Okay. But how many Thor Birch movies have I, you I, seen? I, 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 I. <laughs> I have more love She's for... She's great in Americans in... in uh... I have a lot more love for Simon Birch. <laughs> Don't. No. Don't Too go soon. There. Too soon. Also, it has a um, terrific role by Steve Buscemi. Yeah, mm. he's Absolutely. a he's fantastic. Uh, I, I I agree. Uh, I think uh, Ghost World is a fantastic movie, and it uh, it falls on my list maybe a little higher. Mm. But we'll see. Our uh, lists Aaron? might not be identical, but they they could be similar. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my number four is Hellboy. Okay, good call. I yeah. have a feeling that this might be on on Hellboy is definitely in my uh, list. Sarah is writing uh, her number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, what do you like Hellboy so much? Um, well. It's, uh, like you were saying about uh, 300, Sarah, watching Hellboy, seeing what's on the screen, and, and seeing those images being so similar to the art of Mike Mignola. I think that um, uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro did an amazing job of translating. Of translating. Oh, you couldn't ask for anything better. Mm-hmm. Translating uh, those books to a movie. And it um, pulling bits from the stories to, to create something new that was still based on the comics, but something that, that worked perfectly as a film. Uh, I will say this uh, when I went to go see Hellboy, uh, loving it, uh, but I had never heard of the character. Just mm. kind of saw a trailer and, and thought, yeah, well, I'll check it out. Loved it. Um, it got me into reading the comic books. Uh, really got, that was one of those films that kind of spearheaded my love for comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but loving, loving, loving Mike Magnolia's uh, artwork and stories. And yeah, and then got me into Guillermo del Toro, and who I'm a big fan of. And uh, yeah, so I, I would, well, it's not on my, on my list. I think Hellboy is a fantastic film and uh, a great sequel. And it's a shame that they'll probably never make a third one. Yeah, Hellboy the Golden Army is an excellent film in its own right. Yeah, the two um, back to But I think that, that one of the things, it's number one, Ron Perlman. Yes. Yeah, Ron yeah, Perlman yeah. makes any movie better. I think we can agree <laughs> on that. And he is such a perfect choice for that. Then you have John Hurt. 
Do you think then you have Abe Sapien, you know, is played by Jake Jones, which is terrific character. Do you, and do you voiced, think uh, voiced Perlman by makes a season of Witch Better? Oh yeah, uh, voiced by uh, uh, David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. Do you, do you think season of the Witch is any better with that? Uh, yes, Ron season Perlman's. of the Witch is better for Ron Perlman's inclusion. He's not doing an accent in the movie. Exactly. <laughs> he, Ron Perlman doesn't he need He sells accents. it straight. Yeah. You know, even when he. If he started singing like a Sinatra song. <laughs> In that movie, I would be like not surprised at all. Uh, yeah. No, course. I mean honestly, he makes everything better. I will say there is one, there is one uh, aspect of Hellboy that does annoy me, and that is that they felt the need once again to use this filtering character to introduce us to the world of Hellboy, the kind of the milk toast BPRD agent, Agent John, Agent John, Doggett. you know, boring. Yeah. Uh, normally, normally I would agree with you. Yeah. I almost feel like, it, for what that movie was and the time that it came out, maybe the audience needed it, or maybe I I needed it. It was an unfamiliar like property. The sure. Yeah. Needed it. I remember I was in the theater, not watching Hellboy, watching something else, and Hellboy was one of the trailers that they showed, and and knowing that property and being so excited, oh my god, they're gonna make a movie of this, and then and then when the trailer finished, hearing a theater full of people whispering. <laughs> nobody knew what it was yeah nobody understood I, this, I don't like, enjoy demon nazi movie i don't enjoy seeing the the audience surrogate character in movies a lot of the time but i feel like that that was an instance where maybe he really was needed okay okay uh my number Chris. four uh the avengers the first one uh i Boo, think nobody likes that movie <laughs> the uh, the what the who's uh Maybe I'm pronouncing this wrong. Avengers. There we go. Uh, Avengers. Uh, no, I mean that is undoubtedly it's, it's a, a fun, great comic well, book movie. And I like it so much because it is, I it's it's the simplest, dumbest like storyline, like like only three act or you know only like two big fights, uh, but well, only two big fights between heroes and villains. There's a lot of hero on hero. Yeah, fights in that but movie. Oh, but I guess yeah. what I like about it is it was such a culmination of can we pull this off? Everybody together is it too much on what you know too much for one screen and it was perfect. I was convinced it was going to be garbage. Yeah, like mm-hmm. beforehand, I thought it was it was too much. They can't. There's too many storylines. Yeah, I I love Joss Whedon, but there's no way. How is he gonna? How are they gonna I make this work? Don't think the second one works. I think this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think it's okay. Mm. There's but too that's much. too much. There's yeah. too much muchness in it. Yeah, yeah. when, like, and I know when, you need right. to, like, shift. The first shift. one struck that balance perfectly. First one's got the balance perfectly. The The second one, it's got all those characters, plus the characters that they need to bring on for the next one, plus five storylines that they need to tell for the next seven movies, plus a bunch of garbage that, like, they're probably just going to throw out and never talk about again. Like, there were how many fight scenes did we count were in that movie? Oh yeah, six. No, nine? yeah, I think we yeah I think we counted like nine or twelve. <laughs> uh, also, uh, and this is my part of uh, like going back to the uh, ID four timeline scenario uh, conversation. I uh, four weeks is not an age. <laughs> If it's the age of Ultron. It is if it's Ultron. <laughs> yeah, Ultron. He's a big deal. That was that was Ultron. <laughs> Please convince me more. <laughs> Ultron was like at least 
added one and a half 911s. Well, I, but no, 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 the no, siege. Okay. No, 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 The great right, siege right, of New right. York, as it, as it occurred in the first Avengers movie, doesn't last that long. No, okay. It's like a day, maybe. I, it's I, I equivalent know. to, and to not, 9-11. And I'm not saying right. that we called it like the age of you Loki's attack. You questioning 9-11? Right, like oh, it's no. 9-11 it's not, denier? It's, it's not, it's not the timeline, it's no. the destruction. What I'm saying is, <laughs> we live. We are in an age of adventures. I think that's true, but for one I'm just saying, the Hulkbuster armor can't melt steel beams. <laughs> Yet. From space. <laughs> Another case of blatant destruction of civilian territory like they have that mm-hmm. fight in the middle of a south african city no i mean and it is not i've cool. heard somewhere that there is a much longer like i, I think we original cut was like four and a half hours long i'm, I'm putting it out there to like marvel and stuff like that if you have an original cut like that's that long it's too I, long it's, no, it's, my it's two movies <laughs> it's two movies or i will pay to see that special edition because if there's like oh, yeah, storylines give me that box if there's storylines that like need to be further explained and you don't like the, the time and, and, and here's the thing here's the thing what we saw was a studio cut yeah this yes. is this is a joss whedon film those extra two and a half hours were characters sitting down and talking to each other they're all hanging out at joss and, whedon's house <laughs> uh they make us a, a shakespeare it was, it was shot in black and white um, yeah right right they oh speak in shakespeare I couplets i want that so much fran Kranz was there for it's called reason. much ado about avengers Ooh, much ado about ultra <laughs> Ma, much ado yeah about ultra. that's it yeah. There's our property Boom. for the episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I went. But, I went. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I we need to. Uh, I, I will jump to take off my... on that to my number three. Okay. Yeah. Which is the movie that started it all, Iron Man. Okay. I think that you cannot discount how vital that movie was and that take on that character was to create the Marvel universe as we know it. Yeah, I think ninety percent of it is is Robert Downey. Jr. Oh, without a question. Yeah, I mean, it, it totally that? revived uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s career, mm-hmm. and and he brings to that property something that no actor, well, most actors couldn't, which is that he has been in jail, he has been a drug addict, he has he has he has seen his career, his empire crumble, and he has had to rebuild it by himself, which is what happens to. To Tony. Now, I, I will say this. Uh, knowing the Iron Man story and knowing Tony's story, I've always wanted to see that point where he becomes an alcoholic. There's a point at which Tony Stark, or yeah, Stark is a, a homeless alcoholic, basically. And I think that's, so, I would really love for them to do that. That could have made a hell of a third. Iron yes. Man. Yeah. Uh, but, but instead we went for a billion suits. A billion. And pepper pots with like a metal heart. I, I think Shane Black did a good job not having not directed a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, having not directed a film in how long? Uh, he mostly writes. He writes Christmas movies. He writes Christmas <laughs> movies. And of, and Iron Man 3 is still a Christmas movie. Yes. It <laughs> is. That giant bunny rabbit is a yeah. Christmas present. Yeah. I yep. was very happy to see that. But, uh, but Iron Man, no, it's... My point is that Robert Downey Jr. was uniquely equipped for that mm-hmm. character because he brought that baggage to the role. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his journey is similar to the journey Tony Stark undergoes, starting out on the top of the world, the, the favorite son of a, 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 a deceased scion who um, 
We should paint him in a little nicer <laughs> Who, uh, you know, has everything except a conscience when the movie begins, loses everything, is, is in, loses his life, in, in fact. I mean, he's only being kept alive because he's got a car battery keeping shrapnel from reaching his heart. Mm-hmm. Just like and Robert Downey Jr. Just like Robert Downey Jr. That's direct from life. But but he be, he has a real reason for redemption mm-hmm. and a real journey. Yes, I agree. And and it's a journey that that connects him to the rest of the Marvel universe that introduces us to Shield, for okay. instance, and 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 th- things things that will seem together at that storyline later. Okay, Aram, you number three. My number three is Batman, the original Tim Burton Batman. Um, just the one with Adam West, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, Robin, yeah. Um, <laughs> Burt Ward, <laughs> just because that was when did that come out? Eighty nine. Yes. Eighty nine. Um, yeah. I was probably at the perfect age to see that movie. Twenty three. And go, holy crap! Yeah, yeah. Spending a lot of time uh, just on the couch. No, that was that was like the best summer ever. It came out, uh, it came out, and and my movie theater had like this big billboard for it, and everybody was really excited, and it was so packed that we uh, said, ah, I guess we'll go see Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. That had been coming out like around the same time, and it's like, yeah, and it, and it was like, uh Indiana, but like obviously Indiana Jones was great, but to have it, like Batman was so perfect and hyped and it was meant it everyone loved it it was perfect and uh, michael i bought the keaton, converse michael keaton best batman yes hands down yeah across the board yeah i don't care who hears me say it yeah no i i, I i'm and a big uh, michael maybe keaton maybe even the best bruce wayne mm-hmm. i mean we could probably argue a little bit on that but a really good bruce wayne the best batman jack nicholson yeah. uh I I still love that Jack Nicholson Joker. His his Joker is fantastic. Yeah, because Joker's kind of a pompous ass, and Nicholson's kind of a pompous ass. Well, well that and, Joker is. Yeah. Well, right, and 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 that Joker was a gangster, basically. Yeah. And and it's so, very nineteen forties. It very led into the animated series. Uh, right. Right. It's, right. Well, it's and in it, the visual it, style. It gave us so much of that, and that's that's really all I have to say about it. Okay, uh, my number three is a tie. Uh, one of yours, uh, Ghost World, and uh, tied with American Splendor. Uh, American Splendor, if you guys haven't seen it, it's, it's fantastic. It's based on a sort of collaboration between uh, this guy, Harvey Picar, who was like a social service worker, like a desk, a desk clerk. He was a grunt, basically, at a VA hospital. Yeah, and uh, he's played amazingly well by Paul Giamatti. Um it's it's this fantastic fantastic role it, it and uh, it got him an Oscar nomination. Uh, Giamatti this whole time has like this, this throat kind of world. It's it's such a brilliant movie and uh, Harvey Picard's work. Uh, he collaborated with uh, Robert Crumb, which some of you guys may know. Uh, very like underground, like Fritz the Cat, um, the Mister Natural. Mister Natural, yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic film, and and it's one of those based on a comic book, in quotes, but such a hell of a story. 
Uh, and that's all I wanted to say about it. Well, I, I real, can't tell real you guys quick on American Splendor, uh, I feel that it has in some ways the same appeal that Spider-Man does because Harvey Picard is a normal guy hmm. having normal experiences, but yet he has the balls to turn that story into a mythology. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and that's what I love about that that comic book series and in the movie as well is it, it takes a regular guy and it or an ordinary guy and it makes him extraordinary just because his life is now on screen. Bingo. Uh, all right, jumping down to number two. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I put down Sin City. Uh, I think Sin City is that's one of those films that I was like, that's fucking cool, and it was like uh, Frank Miller. Uh, it's his black and white comic about like uh, this this crime riddled city, and it's the translation. Uh, I normally don't like just acting in front of blue screen, but here it's done so well. And it's uh, Robert Rodriguez who does like everything super on the super cheap. He does it out of his own like own backyard. Uh, and Sin City is somewhere in Texas. It is, yeah, Austin, <laughs> Texas. Uh, but it's it's done so. Like, on the nose of, like, this is exactly... And uh, harping back to Year 300, like, that's what it looks like. Those frames look like these frames. Made everybody love Mickey Rourke uh, for a little bit. <laughs> um, but everybody in it is, is spots. You know, it... Uh, and it's... Uh, because uh, Miller's um, stories in it are a, lot, a bunch of small stories, it does a really good job of combining uh, three stories... Uh, however, if you're like, oh boy, there's so many good stories, I bet they could make a second film, and I bet they do it right away, you'd be dead wrong. Like, they waited uh, like 10, ten years, years. Uh, and it's a, they, they use the main storyline uh, from one of his books called The Dame to Kill For, which I think that one works out alright, but it's pretty garbage. So you're uh, saying that ten years waiting ten years for this project did not improve it? No, no, and there were like so many great names like originally attached, and I guess he just couldn't get the money or something. But it, yeah, it sucks that it took ten years and it killed it. So Sin City is also number two on my list. Whoa! I know, uh, and it is like you said. It's the the visual interpretation of Miller's work is perfect. I feel it captures the tone very well. There's a certain desperation to those stories, a certain urbanness that really comes across. And you don't see a lot of anthologies in the comic super or in the comic book movie world. So that's another reason I really appreciate that yeah. particular interpretation. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to uh, be the odd one out and uh, disagree with both of you guys. I Since it wasn't, Oh, you don't like Sin City? Uh, I liked it okay, but... What do you have against it? Definitely not five material. No, I, I don't have anything against it. I like Robert Rodriguez. I like... it. It's a very faithful... I also didn't read the books beforehand. Mm. Um, so I had to go I back, read them afterwards. So I had to go back and see, okay, you know, this this is a good translation for, from page to screen. But I went ahead and chose uh, Speed Racer for my number two. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Speed Racer, which I realize might have been based on the anime and not, yeah. not the manga. I don't think that counts as a comic book movie. You're out. So, 
I will I, say uh, your your card in the mantle. I will say revoked. that I love Speed Racer. I, I love Speed, Speed Racer, Racer too. I but it's Speed not Racer a comic a book movie. But yeah, I think it was based on the uh, I know. animation. Uh, so uh, my number two is the Avengers. Oh, oh, okay. uh-huh. 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 uh We could we could talk a little bit. You know, okay, we'll dedicate an I, entire show. to I would like to do a show. Yeah, yeah. All right. Deal. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> Aaron apparently doesn't have a number two. The Avengers is a good movie. It's okay. my number two, and I like it. <laughs> Makes me happy inside because I'm filled with sadness. Directed by Joss Whedon. Able defense. Well done. All right, guys. Here it is. Your moment. Your show. Everything. Number one. My penis. <laughs> uh, my wife, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you said I was going to show everything. I'm glad you made That's that joke. That's Sarah at the Tribune. <laughs> the, Her the email one, is... The one true professional among the three of us. Yeah. Uh, I had a tie. Okay. Allowed. Um, because I really do genuinely love Tim Burton's Batman more than Batman Returns. I know. Mm-hmm. But I I feel that it is it shares equal an equal spot on my mantle. With the Dark Knight, and I know that, and I know that there are problems, and part of the problem with that movie is I don't know the actor playing their main villain died in the middle of production, well, and that's a problem. I don't think that, that necessarily. I don't. I don't necessarily think it makes it a bad movie. I think it changed the way that they were able to tell that story because the the one thing that that doesn't make sense if you're looking at it as a franchise is you don't kill off the joker sarah why do you hate heath ledger i love Heath. uh okay i will say two things about uh the dark knight uh one that end fight scene takes place in a trump tower that was being built so knowing that when you support the dark knight you're supporting donald trump how does that make everyone feel icky yeah However, it was built by it was built by immigrants. Shame. So, immigrants that he hates. Yeah, but uh, the second thing is, so I think they wasted a huge opportunity, um, and you could have shot this without like really shooting uh, Heath Ledger straight on. But if you, the ending in the movie with where uh, spoiler alert, uh, Two Face dies, and the Joker lives, that's this was what I was saying before. Okay. It doesn't make sense in the in the general scheme of the franchise. Okay, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense that uh, Two Face dies because Batman does not kill his villains; they they live on to fight another day. Mm-hmm. That's what's great about it. Um, but if you had, you know, because everybody was wondering, oh, did he live or did he die? Like everybody, like leaving the theater was like right. it was very unclear. Right. You could have had that funeral scene and said, Harvey Dent is dead. But, but Two Face lives on. But you could have yeah. You could have had a stinger, where it's them and Arkham, and it's Two Face looking directly. It's Two Face looking directly across, the hallway in their own cells, the Joker and Two Face, knowing that yeah we probably won't see them in the, anymore in the movies, but that they're out there. And I think that would be fantastic. Like that's like, just. Nolan, I know, is very attached to one idea and one idea only, but if you have, just kind of play it out for something like that. And it wouldn't be a huge leap. It's here's these guys in Arkham. Yeah. Which we know this is an established thing. Yeah. 
But can I go back to the, can I actually present my case for why this is my number one? Because I feel I haven't had a chance to do uh, that. You have two minutes, prosecutor. Thank you. Your Honor, Here, here's what I want to say. Um, I think that it, I know a lot of people have problems with the Christian Bale Batman, partially because he talks differently in the suit than he does out of the suit. I'm convinced I'm, that's I'm some sort of vo- vocal of chip people. in the neck. That's my theory. Um, but I think that it's, it, number one, there's some great action scenes. Number two, the the mood of the movie really captures the, the essence of the Nolan Batman. A man who is driven by desperation to uh, terrible dilemmas. And... And also, it has a, a, a much more convincing... Whatever you may think of Maggie Gyllenhaal, you can't admit she's a much more convincing mate for Bruce Wayne. Somebody who would be his intellectual and and moral equal, where you couldn't say that if Batman Begins. And the fact that he has to make this choice between saving the city and saving the love of his life, between... Um, selfish, you know, acting for selfish reasons and acting for unselfish reasons, I think gets at the heart of who Batman is. Because Batman, Bruce Wayne, by being Batman, gives up ever having a normal life. Right. And, and, and that choice that he has to make in the film is the choice that Batman makes like every day, or Bruce Wayne makes every day. Because he has money, he has power, he could just stay home and build hospitals like his dad does. But there's something darker and and seamier and scarier driving him. And I feel that that's what The Dark Knight really captures. Real quick note. Uh, do you think that was a uh, direct nod um, to Wayne versus the Joker? Having Wayne's family build hospitals and the Joker blows one up. It's a good point. All right. Uh, I, on those notes... I wanted to say, uh, so my number one is Spider-Man number two. And Spider-Man is the second. Uh, and I think a lot of those uh, great ideals are in that. You know, where is what a character has to give up, what a character has to sacrifice. Um, you know, at the end, you know, he does get married Jane. You know, and they kind of live in a, a life of Arthur on the rocks, where like they've given up, you know, they've given up great lives. And they said, we're just going to live in poverty. I don't care. Uh, is she not still an aspiring Broadway star at that point? She is, but they, like in the third one, I think they still live in the shitty apartment. Okay. Yeah, aspiring, I think, is the key word. <laughs> Although she's on like a billboard. At she's some on point. a billboard. She's uh, in, in Spider-Man 3. She is the star of the musical. I've been on billboards. It doesn't pay the rent. <laughs> uh, well, Being a sex offender doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen this man? Chase him out of your town with pitchforks. Not those Um, billboards. But no, what I like most about Spider-Man number two is it's a movie that that spoke to all those people out there and says being a hero can be for anybody. You don't need to be the richest guy. You don't need to be, you know, um, an inventor. You don't need to be anybody at all. It just, heroism can happen to anybody. And it's whether... Whether you use it for good or evil, it's up to you. I I think it's a fantastic film. 
I think it's probably one of the best superhero films of all times. It's in my top five. Yeah. And that's all I have to say. Aaron. Well, my number one was uh, Ghost World. Okay. Mm. Uh, and for everything that you already said, I think that I probably read that book at the perfect time again. Um, and it just, it, it, it felt like it captured who these people were. And that's something that the film just uh, 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 doubled down on. And, and the Steve Buscemi's part was tailor-made for him. I like everything about it. Agreed. I yeah, I I think yeah that we're all like kind of skating around uh, the same the same films. Uh, well, we all had Ghost World. Well, there's there was a there was overlap, but mm-hmm. um, there's good overlap. Hardly uh, hardly identical lists. I want to ask. None of us uh, none of us chose cartoons though. Oh wait, <laughs> Aaron, what was your number two again? I want to ask. I them. love Speed Racer. <laughs> Uh, my second film, or my my second choice was a movie based on the Pound Puppies comic that came with my Pound Puppy. I your love... second don't lie. Your second choice was the Garbage Pail Kids movie <laughs> based on the card series. Based, uh, those are our top five tops trading card movies. Right. Ooh. Uh, can I say Mars Attacks? You can't because it's like the only other. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I know. Okay, uh, I want to wrap up, guys. Can I say really quickly? I thought it was a little surprising. None of us chose Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, I think I think it's a great movie, but I don't necessarily think it's one of the top five. Like you have, it. This is a genre that's got like easily over fifty films. Yeah, there's there's and a lot most of about really most of them are about movies. being great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then the ones about being shitty are great. <laughs> like you can't say like Harvey Pekar's life is great. No, but. But because it's like filled with sadness, but it's it's got its ups and downs, it, that makes it a fantastic movie. Uh, History of Violence, great movie. You know that you can go on and on. And like now that uh, you've got comic books and graphic novels, and yes, anybody who doesn't like who says like, oh, I'm drawing, they they say they're uh, they're not drawing a comic book, they're drawing a graphic novel, and it's your first one, and you're a little boy. Fuck you, you're you're writing a comic book. <laughs> Well, I want to fuck you to all you kids out there. Yeah. I want to bring up the fact that that medium is now so accepted as a form of storytelling. It has not only influenced movies; it's on Broadway. Fun Home dominated <laughs> the Tonys this year. Uh, and uh, knowing Alison Bechdel's work, I, I think uh, that's amazing because uh, I think Fun Home is uh, is Fun Home or Fun House. Shrugs all around. <laughs> I think it's fun home because it stands for funeral home. Mm, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I think that's an excellent book. I had someone give it to me at a, uh, um, when I was really big into uh, graphic novels and comic books. And it's still one of my favorites. Uh, it's really like only, the, only one of the memoirs in comic book form. Uh, I guess Harvey Picard. Harvey Picard. Uh, Garfield's. But that was uh, mostly autobiographical. <laughs> at least, Art. at least seven through twelve. Are Raina Telgemeier's books autobiographical? Which ones? Raina Telgemeier. Which no. you write? She does um, Smile and Sisters. They're mm. they're specifically books. Yeah. Well, they're not specifically books for girls, but they have girl protagonists, and I want to say that they're 
You could say that, that they're influenced by her life. Maybe you could say Arch Spiegel's Mouse series is autobiographical mm-hmm. because well, it's about his sure. family's history. Yeah, and uh, Will, I would believe uh, Craig Thompson's the creator of uh, oh, yeah. uh, Craig the Thompson's spirits. like blankets, uh, blankets, blankets. Oh, my and God. Uh, yeah. that, that Goodbye tr- Chunky Rice. Clearly autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is a mouse <laughs> in the ocean. We've uh, all been there. Yeah. The uh, who writes the small books? Um, uh, Jeffrey Brown. Jeffrey Brown. Jeffrey Brown. Clumsy. Yeah, clumsy. Uh, his work is autobiographical. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that you said or you said at the beginning of this podcast that they that comic books are still considered the providence of nerds, but I'd say no, that I, they I, have. I'm just the opposite. They have gone so far beyond the the nerd milieu well, that they really are being made for everyone and consumed by everyone. Right. I mean, I mean, geek culture is the mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that that line has sort of been obliterated. Nerd is the new normal. We're all nerds now. I would say the nerdist is the populist. Okay, so we all have our catchphrases. <laughs> That's good. Catchphrases, catchphrases, catchphrases. Uh, so, all right, I think we 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 did uh, a good job, guys. We took a long time, um, and uh, did not hit on some of the things I wanted to hit on. So. <laughs> Uh, that's really good. Uh, anyways, so thank you for uh, listening in on uh, thank you. Thanks for listening. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, much better. That was, uh, that was, an that was a super professional thing to do. <laughs> we can't edit any of this. That's no, I, I, I don't want to. That that's the fun of uh, the mantles BFFs. By the way, Cinema if anybody, BFFs. Cinema BFFs. This isn't. We're not. We're not the nerdist here. We don't have. No, no. We're money. We don't have. A we're barroom brawlers. This is. This is punk rock. This is uh, lobby. This is pirate radio. Uh wait, wait, wait okay. I, I got one more. Nope, uh, nope. This is CNN. Uh, what's this it called when you like? Uh, oh, lobby loiterers. Lobby loiterers. Yeah. Not All bad. Right. It's okay. yeah, it's I see Aram saying yes, and I see Sarah resoundingly shaking your head. Yes, fantastic. No, <laughs> yeah. no, my head is being shaken. No, tears of joy, sorrow, and shame. <laughs> A fist of approval. All right, uh, uh, any plugs? Shaken in anger. Plugs. Plugs anybody? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, and I don't know why I keep forgetting to say Instagram. Um, Twitter and Instagram at Rawfish and Beer. My comics and weird pictures I draw are at uh, mandatoryrollercoaster.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at she, as uh, at she likes to watch, and I'm on Facebook at the same. She likes to watch. Uh, you can also find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at uh, the CJVD. Uh, you can also check out my work uh, at ChristopherJDaily.com, uh, and there you can see. Uh, some of the short films I've made and uh, uh, photography, artwork, uh, blatant plugs. <laughs> oh, and I should add uh, www.sanluisobispo.com is where you can find my articles. Yeah, that's uh, that's the Tribune's website that Sarah As well with. as KCET's Artbound website. Uh, yesterday, Sarah interviewed Alice Cooper. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. What's Alice Cooper like? Really cool. Not surprisingly... <laughs> He, uh, I mean, how could you not like a guy who was best friends with both Groucho Marx, Salvador Dali, and the amazing Randy? Yep. I can't top that. No. 
You're friends with us. That doesn't count. <laughs> and you're sort of a, a Groucho Marx You're type. sort of an amazing Just because I smoke all the time. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that marks uh, a very special episode of The Mantle. We are Cinema BFFs. Uh, thank you for listening. All right. Good night.